Jesus Christ, God, you saw fit to not leave us stranded, but sent your Son to be born of a virgin, God, to die and to rise again, that we may have life and life abundant. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Would you give the band a hand for a wonderful job? Well, we welcome you and those who are watching or listening online. Thank you so much for you being here and and for tuning in to us. We've had two wonderful candlelights already, and we're hoping and praying that this one will be a great one too. We have been in a sermon series called Christmas Crisis because the Christmas story is birthed in a crisis. I mean, it really is for a lot of people. And, but we want to always start with some jokes, and you will make me feel better if you'll laugh whether you think these are funny or not. What is the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the original alphabet? The Christmas alphabet has no L. Come on, that's funny. I can, I can drag this out for two hours tonight if y'all mess with me. What, what do you get if you cross Santa and a duck? A Christmas quacker. Thank you for, I appreciate the hand clap back there in the intelligent section of the church tonight. Well, we are in Luke chapter 2, and the, the shepherds are going to have a crisis. And it's a crisis, I hope, in the next few minutes that you and I have also. Because I want to begin with this and kind of make this our big point this evening. God is trying to speak to you tonight. I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe God is trying to speak to you this evening. The New York Times had an article a few years ago titled The The Art and Science of Listening. And I think this article was spot on. We don't listen real well anymore. We hear, I mean, noise enters into our eardrums, but, but because of our cell phones and our tablets and our iPads and the thousand distractions that are available to us, we just don't listen real well. And, and that's a shame when you don't listen well to people you love and people in your life. When you don't listen well to God, it can be eternally disastrous. I mean, listening is so important. God was trying to speak to these people 2,000 years ago. When he's trying to speak to you and, and I this evening, I want to challenge you to listen to him and hear what he has to say. Our narrative begins in verse 7. It says, she gave birth to a firstborn son. This is Jesus. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's neat. They wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes. That's wrapping them up tight. And that's come back in vogue. People do that now with their babies. That's back in style. This is how we know Jesus was born in a barn. How many of you, your mama's ever said, were you born in a barn? Some of you may have been born in a barn. Jesus was born in a barn. And, and the primary way we know there was no room in the inn, and it says they laid him in a manger. Doesn't the manger sound so sweet? You know what a manger is? It's an animal trough. And now we know Joseph and Mary were wonderful parents, so they cleaned it out, sprayed it for COVID and everything, got it cleaned up. And, and ha- but that's where Jesus' first bed was a cattle trough. And verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch, over their flock by night. These are going to be key players in our story. I want to show you on a map what the traditional shepherd field, uh, we believe, looks like. That's near Bethlehem. It's about three-fourths of a mile from Bethlehem. Cindy and I 
uh, on a Friday evening, got to drive past that, and it looks probably very similar to how it looked 2,000 years ago. Now, here's a neat historical fact about the shepherds. Shepherds were considered a lower part of society. They were a lower-level blue-collar worker. They didn't make much money, had dirty, hard jobs. They were gone for two or three weeks at a time, and they had bad reputations. They were known to be thieves because they would walk and work in your field, and then as they walked to the next field, they might take your, your toys and your tools with them to that field. They were considered unreliable uh, witnesses in court. And many times, the rabbis would put them under what was called the rabbinic ban, where they could not participate in the local activities of the synagogue, that's like the local church, or the temple because of their reputations. They couldn't come to worship much. They didn't keep up with all the ceremonial hand washings. So these guys, as a class, were considered outcasts. And I find it amazing, the very first message that Christ was born came to people, society considered fringe people. And so here's what I want to share with you on that this evening. You, tonight, you may be a somebody. You may be important. You may be wealthy. You may be esteemed in the world. And that's great. But God's trying to speak to you too. You may not be. You may be somebody that is considered an outcast in society. You may be somebody that people don't look up to or show the respect that you wish you had shown to you. I want to tell you, that's not what God, how God looks at people at all. God loves you, and no matter who you are this evening, no matter what your past is or your present is, God wants to speak to you this evening. In verse 9, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around in them, and they were filled with great fear. Can you blame them? <laughs> Hear these guys out minding their own business, by the way. Some of you came in here tonight, you're not expecting God to speak to you. That's fine. The shepherds weren't. The shepherds weren't out there reading their Bibles and saying, oh, God, speak. Our hearts are open. They're minding their own business, probably spitting out their chew. And all of a sudden, an angel pops up, and they're terrified. You can't blame them. When it says the glory of the Lord, that means the manifest presence of God showed up in the pasture, and God had a word for them. Do you know the Bible says God is here this evening? Do you believe that? The presence of God is here. Whether we'll let him be known or not, it's up to us. God's here. God wants to speak to you tonight. God has a message for you tonight. Listen, God wants to speak to you, I think, through the music God's tried to speak to you. What beautiful music. I, we had a beautiful environment, I think, God wants to use to speak to you. Through the prayers through the Bible, obviously, through the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit is outside of you knocking, wanting you to let him in. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside of you trying to speak to you. Did you know God even speaks through preachers? God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament. He can speak through a preacher today, amen? Sometimes they're, they're synonymous, but he can do it. There's a story told about a preacher and a lawyer and a doctor who went deer hunting. Before I tell you that story, I've killed one deer in my life. We have a picture of it. <laughs> Braden Ramsey, you were there. Don't you remember that? It looked exactly like that. And, and why did y'all laugh? That's the most laughter I've gotten in 18 years as a pastor here. My recollection is it looked like that. It may have been a little bit different. But the story, the preacher and the lawyer and the, the doctor, they're in three deer stands, and they're facing the same field. A buck walks out. Simultaneously, they shoot, and the deer falls. So they jump out of their stands. They run down there. There's one bullet in the deer. 
they're all shooting the same type of gun, so they begin to argue. I killed it, I killed it, I killed it. And they did that about 15 minutes, and the game warden came up. And he said, what's the problem? He said, well, these, we can't decide who killed this deer. He looked at the deer, and he said, I know who killed it. The preacher did. He said, how do you know the preacher did? He said, look, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. They laugh better than the other two services. You, thank you, guys. You got some eggnog in you or something. Good. Amen. <laughs> let, God, let God use me for a few minutes in your life. Let, let, let God use me to speak to you this evening. What, what's God got to say? God says, in a minute, I got some news for you. How many of you watch the news, listen to the news? We tr- nobody but me. God bless you. Uh, you know, the news, you've got to listen to some of it. You listen to too much of it, you want to go stick your head in the tub, don't you? I mean, it's not good news. And, and I saw these, these are true news headlines from a few years ago. Wasn't really bad news, just kind of funny news, stupid news. Scientists create a fearless mouse. The comments under someone said, why couldn't they cure the common cold? It's all we need is a steroid-up mouse running around with no fear biting people. Worker suspended over eating trash bound muffin. That was here at First Baptist. Bright, listen to this, bride in toilet paper dress to tie the knot in public restroom. I am so happy she didn't call me to be a part of that lovely ceremony. What's God's news? Look in verse 10, it'll be on the screen. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Leave that up there, Danny. I bring you good news. He's saying there, I evangelize you. I'm trying to convince you and get you to buy into this. This great, that word great means exceeding, and the word joy is exuberant. He says, listen, I've got news that is unbelievably great. I've got news that will bring joy, that the joy will be coming out of your ears if you'll listen and obey it. And it's for all the people, these shepherds, these poor outcast men, it's for everybody, all means everybody, white people, black people, Hispanics, Asians, rich, poor. It's for all of us. God says, I have a message for you. I have a message for everybody. In verse 11, he really defines this. And I think this message, this is where God's trying to speak to us. For under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Leave that there, Danny. The city of David is Bethlehem, and the prophecy had said the, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's true. That's what happened. A Savior, the word Savior is very significant today. We just don't know it is. But 2,000 years ago, it really was because the, the, this part of the world was controlled by Rome. And the Roman emperor, the Caesar, said that he was the Savior. They wanted to call him the Savior, the Deliverer. In the Old Testament, God the Father is often called the Savior. And now they say this little baby who's been born is the Savior. He's the Deliverer. Listen, God's trying to save all of us tonight. Did you know that? You say, well, I'm already a Christian. What is he trying to save me from? Yourself? Your sins? The the, the route you're on that's going to ruin your marriage, your life, your family, your health, if you don't repent? Listen, God doesn't have to save you eternally but once, but he's got to save me every day from a lot of dumb stuff. God's trying to say, are you listening? You're not a Christian this evening. 
The Bible says you need to be saved. That's not a Baptist word. That's a Bible word. The Bible says without Christ that you are lost, that, that, that you're going to never have the life you could have here. That when you die, if you die without Christ, you will spend eternity separated from God in hell forever. In some of your hearts right now, he's trying to whisper and say, let me save you tonight. Let me save you tonight. It says, Savior, who is Christ? Christ is the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. It meant the anointed one, the promised one of God. In other words, Jesus was who they were looking for and who you're looking for, whether you realize it or not. I had a Jewish friend in, in New York City. He was a psychiatrist. And friend, never try to argue with a psychiatrist. Men, it's worse than arguing with your wife. You're not going to win either one of those arguments. Help me out, brothers, and laugh a little bit. But he, I asked him about Jesus being the Messiah. And here's what he told me. He might be. He might have been. Might be somebody else. We don't know. Listen, the Bible says Jesus is the Messiah. The one they are and we are looking for. And then he says, who is the Lord? And the word Lord is huge. It means master and ruler. They were to call the Caesar Lord. And 30 years later, when people start saying Jesus is Lord, you know what? It cost them their life. God the Father in the Old Testament is called Lord. And here, here they're told the Lord has been born. We know that's Emmanuel, God in the flesh. Jesus is Lord. And what does that practically mean? It means he wants to be Lord and ruler of your life. Some of us have been baptized and joined a church and taught a class or whatever, but we've never surrendered to Jesus as our Lord. You don't go to heaven without Jesus being your Lord. But many of us are Christians. But slowly and surely, we've taken control back over our lives. He doesn't run our lives. We do. And Jesus is whispering you tonight, get back in church like you once did. Get back in your Bible like you once did. Start giving and sharing Christ like you once did. Start praying like you once did. See, Jesus was Jesus being Lord is not just a theological statement. It means that it's a call for him to run your life and to run my life. Some of you, all of us, I believe he's whispering, let me be that like I once was. How many of you have seen the movie Princess Bride? Believe me, it's a great movie. You need to see it. I went kicking and screaming. My roommate Reggie and I were going on dates. This is PC, pre-Cindy, obviously. And so we were going on first dates. And if you're, if you're single, listen to me, guys. On the first date, let her decide. The third or fourth date, man up. I wouldn't have gone to a movie like Princess Bride on the first date. I went to Hope Float on the first date. By the way, both of those were the first and only dates, too. But Princess Bride's a great movie, a great movie. And, and the hero and the heroine, from the beginning, she's kind of an aristocrat, and he's her servant. But they're, they're, they're falling in love with each other. And, and so she will kind of just tease him and kind of boss him around. And he'll always respond, as you wish, as you wish. You know what Jesus needs to hear from you and me this evening? As you wish. Man, I'm your best friend, Jesus says, but I'm your Lord. And your response and my response needs to be, Lord, as you wish, as you wish. Verse 12 through 14, 
we begin to see some fruit of what happens when we listen and respond. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom God is pleased, who, who are right with God. That word peace means rest. It means rest in your mind and being untroubled and undisturbed. Folks, you can't buy peace. You can drink yourself silly. You can get high. You can take stuff that will knock you out. But you still got to wake up to yourself the next day. Only God can give you peace. Listen, Joseph and Mary had a rough road for a long time. But I want to tell you, even in the barn, they slept well. Because they were right with God and they had peace. Peace is a fruit of you hearing God tonight and you obeying God. Let's look at what the the shepherds did. Verse 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now, if they'd have been Baptists, they'd have formed a committee. They didn't do that. It said they they heard God. They knew what God was telling them to do. And right then, with haste, they got up and they went to Bethlehem. And it says they found the baby. In other words, they had to do a search. They were going barn to barn. It's a wonder some redneck didn't stick them with a pitchfork in the head. But they were going barn to barn to find the baby Jesus. Listen, when God speaks to you, obey him then. God's speaking to you tonight. The time to act is with haste. Listen, one of the devil's greatest tools is procrastination. He'll whisper to you this evening and say, you need to do this. Just wait. Think on it more. That's not what they did, not what we need to do. Verse 17 through 20, beautiful verses. When they saw it, no. When you read that, doesn't that sound, they saw it, they call Jesus it? No. Saw it is the whole scene, the baby the mama, the daddy, the donkeys, the cows, the manger. They made known the saying that they had been told concerning this child. Verse 18. And, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in their heart. In verse 20 it says, When they Return, they glorified and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Folks, here's what happens. What happened to them and you and me. Here's how you can tell if you've had a real experience with God. When you listen to God and you obey God, it changes you. That little word in verse 17, it says when they saw, that doesn't mean they just looked. It literally means they experienced Jesus. See, a lot of times we come to church or even read our Bibles, we read it, we hear it, we acknowledge it, and then we go and we're no different. You don't need to do that tonight. You need to experience God. You need to have a fresh encounter and a fresh experience with God. And let let me just tell you something. This not only impacts you, it it impacts your spouse or your future spouse, your, your kids or grandkids or future kids and grandkids. You see, when the shepherds heard and obeyed God, it impacted a lot of other people besides themselves. You need to hear God tonight and act on what he's telling you to do. 
I read this week a, a statistic that was, was not good, but it was telling that America is, is on path to set a record for deaths in, in a year. We are, they believe we'll have as many as 3 million deaths in America this year, which is a record. Annually, deaths do go up, but COVID has helped that jump up even more. And it made me think, it made me think, is this my last Christmas? Will it be yours? I honestly hope, and I mean this, that you have 75 more Christmases. That may mean some of you are 150 when you, when you go, but that's okay. <laughs> I hope you have many, many, many more. But, but see, I'm not guaranteed that and neither are you. What I want to challenge you to do in just a moment when we pray is to obey what God's saying to your heart. Make sure that you're right with God before you leave here this evening. Would you pray with me? I know many people watching and listening or here are Christians, and, and a number of you are doing well. Keep it up. Stay the course. Stay true. Some of us as Christians are not doing what we need to be. We're not who we once were. We're not doing what we once did. Tonight, repent and come back to God. He's calling you to that. Listen and obey Him. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you're not a Christian or you're listening or you're unsure, but you're ready this evening to seal the deal with you and Jesus. Pray with me sincerely and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus.